Hi, hey, hello everybody, FL Teacher here, coming out with the review of Arsenal 3, Liverpool 2. In this episode, FPL relevance is considered minimal because, honestly, there haven't been a lot of gems that warrant a third Arsenal player, let alone a third Liverpool player. So, this will be almost purely focused on tactics as well as comparisons with the plan A's of both sides from the opening game weeks of the season. Okay, let's get the elephant in the room addressed right now. How do we deal with matches between top six sides in FPL? Any side other than Spurs will attempt to wrestle control of the match. Whether it's City, Liverpool, Arsenal, United, this season the top six sides' plans have been about wrestling control and therefore dictating tempo. Now, traditionally, tempo has been related to the identities of their respective managers, with Klopp being known for high-press football and Ateta quietly but subtly attempting to restore the way Arsenal played under Arsene Wenger. In this particular case, both sides went with an extremely high press as well as a tight and high offside line. And here I will talk about how Arsenal executed this. Now, it's important to understand tactically that among the variants, among all the variants of the standard 4-3-3 model, Arsenal's 4-2-3-1 largely revolved around this four-tiered system where you have the back four, the defensive midfielders, the attacking mids, and the striker all having pronounced roles. Each line of attack has their own jobs responsible for exploiting different areas of the pitch, and it is these players that move through these four tiers that makes them so dangerous, particularly down on their left-hand side. So the question comes down to which tier among these four shined the brightest. Traditionally, Granit Zaka excelled from the second tier, Martin Odegaard and Fabio Vieira have been excelling in the third tier recently, while Gabriel Jesus constantly drops from that fourth tier to be in line with the third tier, if not taking defenders all on his own. Martinelli will continue taking the plot and his goals and assists were a direct result of Martin Odegaard as the captain finding the right moments to exploit the huge amount of space afforded to him around Fabinho. Now, once again, it has been mentioned several times already that the left-hand side of Granit Zaka, Martinelli and their fullback, this time Tomiyasu, completely thrive under this particular system, so there's no need to mention about the impact of these two, but rather the decision to own one or two Arsenal midfielders moving forward. So I'm not going to speak on behalf of the wildcarders because their strategies are relatively straightforward. You can either sell now and buy later or buy now and sell later. Completely up to you. I'm here to speak out to the players that do not have a wildcard making important decisions on how many City and Arsenal players are recommended moving forward. Now the line in the sand we draw here comes down to the formation you play in blank game week 12. If you have a relatively balanced side, maybe you're an old school player that had Saliba and a City defender from the start of the season and you're going to play a 3-4-3 up front, by all means stick to that 3-4-3. Have a nice balance of players, bench your City and Arsenal players such that you have a 3-4-3 or a 10 player formation of like a 3-3-3 or a 3-4-2, what have you. If you have a defender-heavy lineup, 
then start buying Arsenal and City players because your advantage comes later on, especially if you double up on Martinelli and Saka, where Arsenal has this beautiful run of fixtures leading into the World Cup for three game weeks. Liverpool. The first precedent I need to set here is that from the get-go, your footballing philosophy will have inherent strengths and weaknesses, and it all comes down to execution. Liverpool's high line in combination with their triggered pressing will have strengths in the sense that if they win the ball high up, if they win the ball aggressively at the back, from the back, they will catch opponents out of position because of the fantastic passing ability of Trent as well as the fantastic runs of Simikas moving forward. But if they do not cover their space well, there is there are acres of space that Fabinho has to manage while Arsenal attackers bomb forward. From the get-go, it was easy to pinpoint Fabinho managing way too much space, allowing Odegaard to play Martinelli in behind Trent. But prior to that, we have to understand and acknowledge that Liverpool themselves had a fantastic attack where they won the ball pretty high upfield and were about to break behind Arsenal's back line. And it was one simple Ben White pass around Constanos Simikas that broke the whole defensive line down to allow Bukayo Saka to have free runs at the Arsenal defence. Assuming that Liverpool players will not keep clean sheets moving forward, it is imperative that we break down how their front four interacts with each other. Firmino, Jota, Nunes and Salah all took turns. I say this because Diaz is injured by the way. We look at the impact of the runs that all of these four forwards made and in this particular case, number one, Liverpool had the primary challenge of beating Arsenal's offside trap. Now, it's relatively easy to say that TAA's balls in behind are relatively easy to predict. However, the offside trap that Arsenal play can be breached due to new VAR rules where the assistant ref has to wait for the entire move to play out before raising his offside flag. And that makes Arsenal's backline think. Darwin Nunes can intentionally play himself offside so long as deep runners like Firmino and Jota and Salah sometimes break forward from relatively deep areas. Once again, I have to put an extremely strong caveat forward that this approach worked against proactive sides that tried to squeeze the pitch. Now here is where Roberto Firmino becomes extremely underrated, not just because of his false nine role in the squad, but what he does after he lays the ball off to a teammate. The runs that he makes do not prioritize zones. They prioritize the vision of his markers. When Firmino scored his equalizer, his run was inside to out, which actually put him in an unfavorable position to shoot, given that he's a right footer running towards the left. However, because he chose a run that went around the blind side of a retreating centre-back, he had the time and space because he knew that the defender himself had to take time to regain awareness of where Firmino was after the long ball was played. And at the same time, Firmino himself is rather two-footed, almost replicating the Mane skill set from previous years, now taking over the role. And it is here that Firmino makes the difference this season compared to previous ones. Games between big sides are fun to analyse because 
FPL relevance is almost out of the picture. The names are obvious because they are usually a core part of their plan A, which means that Martinelli and Granit Xhaka will continue to be part of conversation and the question comes down to who will actually outscore them. As for Liverpool, Trent will continue to be part of their playmaking strategies. But as it stands, they need a plan B. They need a solid plan B that will continuously break down defences because a one-off game such as this will only continue to highlight how well they adapt within the game rather than how they would actually take the lead and secure games the way we used to love them for. This is FPL Teacher speaking, focusing on the final game of Sunday, Everton Man United up next.